0: Welcome to Rush Hockey Talk, brought to you by Rush Hockey. Trusted guidance, unrivaled success. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Kitorji, and this is our podcast series. This is definitely the place to be if you want to learn how to pave your way to the world of youth hockey. So get ready, because you're going to hear some amazing interviews with premier personalities, coaches, scouts, players, celebrities. We got them all. Rush Hockey for over 25 years, experts in evaluation, over 10,000 alumni, it's unmatched. It's Rush Hockey Talk, and it's here. Welcome to another version of Rush Hockey Talk. I'm joined today by Josh Pyro, and our guest is from Northeastern University. He's a friend of ours. His name is Nick Carpinito, who's been a college coach now for a couple years. Nick, welcome to our uh, podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys, so much for having me. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Give us a little background for all the listeners, Nick, on your coaching history. We know that you've been at Union. Of course, you're presently at Northeastern. And Elmira, give us a little bit of background on all of those stops that you had in your coaching career.
1: Yeah, so I, I actually got my start. Um, so I, I'm an alum of Northeastern University. and I actually got my start um, coaching the women's club hockey team uh, when I was a student here. So that was back in 2000, 2008, I think was the first year uh, that I, I was coaching the club hockey stuff. And um, you know that was a it was a phenomenal growing experience for me, and uh, I had the opportunity to actually meet quite a few people, and, and one of those people was Coach Flint, who's the the current head coach here at Northeastern with the varsity program so um, I was able to develop a really quality relationship with him and and when I was graduating um, I wasn't thinking about coaching but he he knew that there was a an opening at Elmira College uh, for a graduate assistant position and he encouraged me to apply and uh, I ended up applying and I got the interview and um, I got the job there and uh, I was actually the the person that hired me was uh, Greg Fargo, who's the uh, current Colgate head coach. Um, and then he ended up leaving after that first year to go to Colgate. And uh, I was fortunate enough to to coach with Dean Jackson, who's one of the assistant coaches over at Cornell. Um, and then uh, after that second year at Elmira, I moved over to uh, Union College with with Coach um, and I was there for one year and and then it came full circle, and I came back to Northeastern to work work with Coach Flint. That's my that's my background in a nutshell.
2: Carpe, you've had a great coaching career so far. Just the way that you climb the ladder, and we go back. I actually had some big shoes to fill when I started coaching at Almira. <laughs> and if you could talk to her a little bit, you just came off winning a national championship there with with, with Dean Jackson. And I remember coming in and the players that you had coached just just adored you and you just did such a wonderful job there it actually made it uh hard in a way for me but it easy in a way as well if you could just talk about what what that was like winning a national championship
1: yeah I mean it was it was an in, incredible experience and you know any any time that you can be the team that wins the last game of the season um you know it's 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 special and you know we had it was interesting that year because I, I think that we were the only team in the uh, in the national tournament or in that in that Frozen Four bracket uh, that didn't have an all American on the team, and, you know and and I thought that that was crazy just because you know there was there was so much star power in that in those final four teams and uh, you know I think the thing that really separated us was that we had phenomenal leadership we had phenomenal chemistry Coach Jackson is, a, is an unbelievable hockey mind everybody was really buying into what we were trying to do from a systematic standpoint. Um, And, you know, we, we peaked at the right time. I think actually going into the tournament, we were the number six seed too, which, which makes it even more special just because, um, you know, typically you got your, your top teams, they roll right through onto that final round. But uh, um, you know, we just, we peaked at the right time. We had incredible buy-in from all of our players and um, you know everybody accepted a role and and everybody excelled at the role that they they were given and um, you know I, I think that that's that's what put us over the edge the the incredible chemistry that we had as a team and and as a coach and staff too i mean we we were coach jackson and i he he was actually my best man at my wedding this summer because we we got so close over those over those years and um, you know it was it was a really really special team that we had
0: so as a Division 1 assistant. Of course, I'm sure there's a lot of differences between being a Division 1 assistant and a Division 3 assistant. Presently, of course, I believe your your title is associate head coach at Northeastern, is that correct? Correct. So what's the difference then between both roles? Time spent in arenas, in-season scouting, off-season scouting, how much different is it being a Division Three coach versus an associate head coach in Division One?
1: Sure. Um, well, you know, I think the biggest thing is, I mean, Division Three coaching we had a we had a, a much smaller recruiting budget, so you know, for us, we weren't really able to go. Uh, we I mean, we went out quite a bit, but you're not able to go, you know, every weekend. So, you know, when I was in Division Three, we we focused our efforts on um, you know, recruiting showcases and recruiting the larger scale tournaments, just so whenever we went out somewhere, we could, we could get the biggest bang for the buck and, uh, you know, see as, as many athletes as we possibly could. And, um, you know, with division one, I mean, we still, we still go to all those showcases. We still go to, you know, the larger scale tournaments, but there's a little bit more allowance for us to maybe go, you know, catch a, a single game and, um, you know, at, say like around here, prep school is pretty big. So, um, you know, we'll be able to go out and see prep school. We'll be able to fly out somewhere and and just catch like a weekend of single games as opposed to, uh, you know, having to, to rely on the bigger tournaments. And, um, you know, like I said, we, we still go to the bigger tournaments and the bigger showcases because, um, you know, that, that allows us to see a lot more players. Um, but I think at the division one level, we're, we're probably out on the road a little bit more and, um, I mean, a lot of it is because we we are fortunate enough to have bigger budgets in order to do so.
2: Carpe, changing uh, topics here a little bit. You had the pleasure of coaching Kendall Coyne here for the last couple of years. Uh, I was just wondering, you know, what are your sentiments on the impact that she had really on the NHL uh, skills competition where she participated in, and uh, just it had to have been a proud moment for you because I think that she really represented herself and Northeastern very, very well. And just talk a little bit about, you know, what that meant to you watching your former player, uh, you know, represent herself
1: so well. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely incredible to, to see her do that. And um, you know, she's, she, I think the coolest part about it for us here at at Northeastern was just knowing you know, the background and the lead up that went into that. I mean, when, when she was here as a player, I mean, obviously she, she had an incredible career here, but you know, what a lot of people don't necessarily see is what she did day in and day out, um, you know, on the ice, off the ice, in the weight room, uh, in the classroom. And, um, you know, to, to kind of see all of the lead up that, that came to that, not only with the, with the work she put in to win the gold medal that year, but, you know, to, to, to be able to see her break those barriers and, and show people on a national stage, like women's hockey, the the top athletes in women's hockey are, are right up there with the top athletes in, in the, in, in the NHL, you know, allegedly the best, the best hockey players in the world, you know? So um, having, having her do something like that and just knowing all the work that she put into it just makes it that much more special for, for us on our end. you know, and, and I'm glad that she got the opportunity. I had no doubt that she was going to seize the moment. And I, I think it was an incredible moment, not only for her, but, uh, you know, for for women's hockey in general.
0: Nick, over the years that we've been involved in offseason hockey, we've had the pleasure of having you help us as a guest speaker, as a mentor coach. Tell us a little bit about your schedule in the off season and guide parents a little bit on how to maneuver through the off season. I'm sure you recognize today, it's very chaotic. So can you give us a little bit of your opinion and guidance on what parents should focus on in the off season?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, you asked about our schedule and I I think that this is important for, for all parents to know. Um, So the month of May, is for for Division One, and uh, I I don't even remember for Division Three, but I know for Division One, uh, the month of May is what's called a quiet period, uh, so we're not able to do any off-campus recruiting. So we're not able to do uh, we're not able to work camps, we're not able to work showcases. Um, you know, so that that's a pretty quiet month for for Division One coaches. Um, I mean, after that, once June hits. I mean, all all the Division One teams out there are, are pretty full force, whether it be recruiting at showcases or um, working camps or, 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 or recruiting at uh, tournaments. But, you know, I, I think for parents, there's two big things. I mean, th- the first thing is I don't believe that you need to do every single showcase and every single tournament that there is all summer. And the reason I say that is because we've seen a lot of cases where, you know a, a player is playing hockey 24/7 365 days out of the year and they play so much hockey over the summer that you know by the end of the summer they're burnt out and they're doing they're doing showcases and they're doing camps and they're they're exhausted so they're not able to put forth their best their best game you know and, and at the end of the day that that hurts you if you're trying to be recruited at, at the top schools out there so um, you know I think, I think it's great to to pick a few showcases, pick a few tournaments, but you know, make sure that you're still you're still getting proper rest, and you know, you're still you're still taking some time to to be a kid and get out there and have some fun, play other sports, uh, so that way, once the fall comes around and hockey season comes back, um, you know, you're you're a little bit hungrier to get out on the ice, and and you're refreshed at the same time. But um, you know, there's there's lots of really quality showcases out there that that we've been to um and i i don't think that you need to pick a lot of them just pick a few pick pick the ones that you feel you're going to get the best experience not only from a uh you know learning aspect but also from an exposure aspect um and I, I would say that that'd be my best advice for for parents and players for their summer schedules
2: carpi i couldn't agree more i mean you you touched on it all there i mean yeah everybody wants to get you know faster more explosive work on their conditioning but i think uh one of the, one of, at the top of that list is actually rest. And I think that's something that parents overlook, uh, you know, they're worried they're not, you know, they want to be on the ice all the time. They want to be going to every showcase and that that can actually be detrimental. Um, what, so at the college level, then what, you know, what do you have your players doing in the off season?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's pretty general. Um, you know, we, we're fortunate to have a, a great strength and conditioning staff, as I know a lot of other programs are, um, so they they deal with a lot of it, but um, you know, typically the workout plans throughout the summer are uh, four or five days a week. Um, you know, they're they're working a lot on building strength, building explosion, building speed. Um, so you know, they they raise their numbers for um, when they when they get to school in the fall. And um, you know, I, I we have we have testing that we do at the end of the at the end of the um, school year. Uh, So we'll be able to stack those numbers up, have them do their workout programs and then, uh, you know, see what improvements they made when they get back. And, um, you know, we do off ice testing, we do on ice testing. So, um, you know, it it kind of gives us a a good picture of who's putting in the work over the summer and and, uh, you know, who's really hungry to improve and, and come back on campus ready to rock.
0: Nick can you introduce your coaching staff to the world their backgrounds how long they've been involved in coaching
1: Sure um so coach flint uh he's been involved in coaching for a very long time i couldn't put an exact number on it for you but um you know what i what i can tell you is that he started off uh coaching he was actually it's pretty crazy he was the athletic trainer assistant coach for the Saint Anselm's men's program um, a while back when he first started, and then when um, when the women's program at Saint Anselm started, uh, he took over and had an absolutely incredible coaching career there. Um, and then he came to Northeastern and he's he's built this program up and into. I mean, we we're, we're number three in the country right now, so he's done just some absolutely incredible work to get to get this program where to where it is um, and uh, he actually he was the assistant coach uh, for the. US hockey team or the the. US national team um, for the Vancouver Olympics in 2010 so um, he's he's done some incredible things in his career and uh, I'm incredibly fortunate to have the opportunity to learn from someone like him uh, day in and day out. Um, and then our, our other assistant coach, uh, is Lindsay Berman and she actually, her and I actually graduated from Northeastern together in 2011. So we've, uh, we've known each other for a really long time and it was, it was really exciting to have her on board this year. Um, she was the head coach at UMass Boston for a few years and, uh, she was coach of the year in the, uh, I think it was the, the NEHC conference. Um, and they, they ended up winning the league one year. She brought the team to the national tournament. So she's done some absolutely incredible things as well. So um, we're, we're very fortunate to, to have the staff that we do here. We have a lot of fun. But, um, you know, I, I think that we, we have the ability to, to strike a good work, fun balance with our players. And it seems to be successful for us at this point.
2: Well, oh, Carp, you have an exciting weekend coming up. I think you have Merrimack on Friday, and it's part of that, the Beanpot's kind of two weeks, uh, the way it's set up, if I'm not mistaken. I saw you you tied BU, and then you, you lost in a shootout. How did that go? Uh, you know, how was that with with the point standings? That go down as a loss or a tie in the books?
1: Yeah, so um, Beanpot tournament. Beanpot tournament is uh, it's a two week tournament, and it is the uh, it's the first Tuesday and the second Tuesday of February. Um, and the men's the men's bean pot's been going on for a few years longer. Um, ours, I think, is in its forty first year, which is pretty cool. Um, so so the first game we played last night was B U. Um, they're an incredible team. They're coach DeRosher, Coach Keaty, and Coach Watchhorn. They do they do an amazing job with that group. So we knew it was going to be a, a really tough game. And um, we ended up, the way it works is um, we, so after the overtime, it, it goes down as a tie in the official standings, but, um, you know, somebody has to win. So they do a, a three-player shootout, which unfortunately we we couldn't get by them this year, but uh, it goes down as a tie in the standings. And um, next week we play Boston College in the consolation game. Um so the Merrimack game it doesn't have anything to do to do with the Beanpot but it's always it's always a challenge uh for for the members of the Beanpot program to or tournament to play in in a game in between the the first round and the second round just cuz sometimes sometimes you tend to look a little bit forward to that final round but uh you know coach Hamlin and her Merrimack team and uh, coach Mo- Moberg and coach Hall they've done They've had an incredible season this year. They're they're a really, really deep team. They have a, a very senior heavy roster, so they're gonna be someone that uh we absolutely can't overlook. Uh just just based on what the coaching staff has done there and, and what the players have done to this point in the season.
2: Again here, listeners, we're here with Nick Carponito, the associate head coach of Northeastern University. Just talking about the bean pot here. Carpi, tell our listeners who may not be familiar with the Beanpot and exactly what it is, if you could just speak a little bit about you know, the history of the Beanpot and, and what that tournament actually is.
1: Sure. So it's uh, the Beanpot is the four teams uh, in the Boston area. So uh, Northeastern, Boston University, Boston College, and Harvard University. Um, they play a two-round tournament. The seedings are, or I'm sorry, the, the teams are, uh, or the matchups, excuse me, first-round matchups are very year-to-year. Um, the winners of the first, the semifinal first round, um, they play each other in the Beanpot Championship the following Tuesday, and uh, there's a consolation game the the game before. And um, you know, growing up as somebody that grew up in the Boston area, um, you know, it's it's a huge deal around here, both the men and women's women's tournament. So um, you know, it's it's something that's a big draw for for a lot of players that. Uh, are looking at Boston area schools and a lot of players that grew up in the Boston area to play, to play in that bean pot. Um, you know, like I said before, we're, we're in our 41st year in the women's bean pot. And um, I think the men have been going maybe 55, something like that, mid fifties. Um, so it's, it's a longstanding tournament that always has a lot of buzz around it. And, um, you know, to be a part of something like that for me is, is absolutely incredible. Uh, and I know, you know, for for all of our other staff, we all grew up around here as well. So it's something that we've been uh, following since we were really young.
0: Nick, we look forward to meeting you again this summer in Toronto. Yes, at sir. At the Rush Hockey Showcase. Look forward to it. You're always one of our mainstays there. Before we let you go, in less than a minute or so, could you just give us an idea of the, the type of player that you look for when you're out on the road.
1: Absolutely. So, um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing, obviously, we look for talented players on the ice. Um, you know, we we look for players that uh that fill the needs that we're seeking out for any given year. So, you know, if we need a little bit more offensive punch, then we'll look for somebody that's that's got uh, you know, a quality scoring touch if we need you know, a little bit more offense on the back end, we'll look for offensive defensemen. So it really, it really kind of depends what we're looking for as far as the on ice stuff goes in any given year. But, um, you know, one of the constants that I can tell you that we we always look for, because, you know, there's a lot more that goes into it when we're recruiting players than the on ice stuff, um, is uh, we always look for players that are, are very intrinsically motivated. Um, and what I mean by that is players that, that wanna be better because they wanna be better, not because, you know, somebody's dangling a scholarship in front of them or because somebody else is telling them to be better. And um, you know, the the reason we look for players like that is, you know, realistically when when we're with our team, we're with our team three, four hours a day. You know, so so we don't wanna bring players into our program that we have to be concerned about what they're doing the other eighteen hours of the day and and I don't mean like getting in trouble. I mean like taking care of themselves, making sure they're getting enough sleep, making sure they're they're paying attention to their studies, making sure they're eating the right things. Um, you know, so so we make sure that we do quite a bit of due diligence uh, about the off ice stuff, just as much as we do with the on ice stuff. And um, you know, the other big thing is obviously the academics. I can't even tell you how many how many times I've seen players not get the opportunities that they could because they're they're not. Taking care of business in the classroom when they're in grade school, um, you know. So, so I'd say that those are the those are the two biggest things that we keep an eye on uh, after we, you know, feel comfortable with what the player can can do on the ice.
2: Well, Carpe, we want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us here on Rush Hockey Talk. It was absolutely our pleasure speaking with you, and uh, good luck the rest of the way. Thank you and so we'll, much. Uh, yeah we'll talk to you soon pal
1: absolutely i appreciate it guys thanks for having me on
2: okay see ya bye-bye we want to thank our listeners for tuning in to another episode of rush hockey talk the place to be to get informed about youth hockey rush hockey talk trusted guidance unrivaled success